everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Wars. You're here with me, Samrin, and I need no name just because there is no Bayern Munich games at least. This week doesn't mean that there isn't plenty of drama all across Europe to go around and plenty of drama in German football as you'll hear from us to go around. But first, we want to wish everybody Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, whatever it is that you celebrate. We hope that you're really, really enjoying it and putting your feet up for now. All right. In, how have you been doing? Oh, I've been pretty good. It's Christmas, so was at my grandma's house. We had a tree up and everything, so that was Ooh. fun. Oh, yeah. And um, this morning, I had to be in... By morning, I mean like 4 a.m. I had to be in the hospital today because some lady was giving birth to a kid and we had to do a C-section on her emergency. So that was a great way to start off Christmas Eve. Uh-huh. But at Jesus least... and Mary and whatnot. Yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm at least, at least I don't have anything to do tonight so I can be here recording this podcast, which is a nice change of pace. At least we're not going to have to talk about Thomas Tuchel this week. <laughs> right, right. Um. Speaking of Thomas Tuchel, uh, you know, some things that Tuchel mentioned toward the end, the last game of the season was just how long Byron's injury list was and how like he had players who were sick the previous night play in that game because like um, Rafa Guerrero, because he had such little choice. And from what we're hearing and what our understanding is, the European Super League is back and that would guarantee less matches. But... In what have you heard about the Super League and what are your thoughts on it? So the way I see the Super League is that it is the inevitable outcome of the top clubs of Europe trying to shut out everyone else and keep a larger slice of the pie for themselves, you know. And right now it is dressed up in a very palatable format, which aims to cut UEFA out of the pie. And the format that has been presented is something like it's a very dumb name with stuff like Star League and this and that, three leagues with um, something like 16 or something teams each. And the last league will be 18 teams and they will feature teams from all across Europe playing with each other. There will be promotions and relegations and it will be extremely egalitarian, no guaranteed teams, no legacy teams, none of that stuff that we saw in the original version of the Super League that caused so much outrage in the beginning. But, but to be frank, I don't see how that is a lot better than the current system of the Champions League. That is my first thing. And second thing, I'm just worried that if the European Super League is allowed to establish itself ahead of the Champions League, this open system that has begun now, it will later turn into a closed system. Because who owns the Super League? Who is actually in charge here? They say that the clubs will be in charge, but won't these clubs be beholden to major investors who are helping get this thing off the ground in the first place? And that is one of my main things, that once the Champions League, say, for example, if the Super League were to get off the ground and completely eclipse both the Champions League and the Premier League, which is very unlikely at the moment, wouldn't wouldn't that be the point where devoid of any competition, they decide to cut out the lower performing teams and then just move to the completely closed F1 style league that they have been opting for. This is a very common thing in business where you use investor money to take out your competitors. And then once your competitors are out of business, you start jacking up prices and cutting people out and making even more profits. I don't know if you've heard about this. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with it, but 
I'm just worried that that is the direction this is heading. And frankly, I have seen a lot of people, mainly Real Madrid and Barca fans, praising the fact that the Super League is here and it's going to cut UEFA out of this and it's going to be great for European football. But I genuinely don't see, aside from the fact that clubs themselves will play fewer games, I don't see how Super League is great for European football. At best, it is a side grade on the new Champions League format that is coming up next week, next year, I mean, which is itself a bit of a travesty. But I don't know. What do you think? Uh, it's so... I understand what you're saying about the business world. And usually situations like that, as we have seen down the years, leads to more and more inequality. It is not that UEFA does not already put clubs in an unequal situation. UEFA still distributes a lot of the money that they make from different competitions to lower league, um, to lower, uh, lower leagues in Europe to help them grow, which means that there's still a chance that a, um, that a smaller club can win the Champions League in theory. And down in, in recent years, we have seen clubs that are not part of the status quo make it pretty far. Leon comes to mind not too long ago. Uh, I want to say Leipzig. And... I, I ask, yes, yes. Um, I shouldn't say Leipzig because, well, you know. Um, but compared to the rest of the status quo, Leipzig is still a lot smaller and they made it pretty far too. So even Tottenham to an extent... You know, making it all the way to the final. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Harry. But so in theory, you still have that. And I think with the Super League, what would happen is the beauty of football and what makes football so magical would just go away. In fact, a lot of that can be argued along the lines of tennis, too. Like men's tennis has seen the same champions, more or less, be thrown at you every single one of the major tournaments. But... Still, you see these contenders make it really far to the semifinals, even to the final, especially if it's played on their home ground, because you start with an open draw of like 128 players. So you keep that edge of competition in there. But if the Super League happens, and now that ECJ, the European Court of Justice, has mentioned that FIFA and UEFA kind of abuse their positions of power, and so... If anything, the Super League can happen. This is very troublesome news. However, fan power has seemed to have done something. Bayern and Dortmund had pretty much said no from the get-go. But a lot of the English clubs have come out and said no too. I believe it was Arsenal and Liverpool who came out today. I think Men United came out yesterday and said no. Uh, so I think PSG had said no last time as well. Yeah, so, PSG are all yeah. in on the champ. It's not like PSG are doing this out of the goodness of their heart or out of, of course, a love no. for <laughs> European football. They're doing it because yeah. Qatar has invested a lot of money in the Champions League. So, yeah. yeah. And Nasser yeah. Al-Khalifi is, is on the board of UEFA. So, um, <laughs> there you go. There <laughs> yeah, you there go. you go. Um, This is one of the mm -hmm. reasons why people don't like UEFA, you know. So, the, the thing about the English clubs is that it's also a business thing for them. And yeah. people are going to call me cynical, but at, fundamentally, I think other than the Germans, like in, in, in the sense that the German clubs, I don't think any of the top clubs in this care about the fans in this equation at all. It's purely a business calculation for them because why? They are owned not by fans, but by business. It's simple as that. So in the case of the English clubs, they already know that the Premier League is the biggest brand in football and they are already getting 
a very large slice of the pie. Therefore, they do not want to risk joining a Super League and alienating what they already have, especially since the UK government has been talking about establishing an independent football regulator that would hand out licenses to the clubs. And this is something that probably would not be legal or feasible under European law. But as we know, the UK, or at least England, is not part of the EU, and they can do whatever the hell they want. Parliament can literally do anything they want. That's the kind of system they have there. As long as Parliament is in favor of it, they can do literally what they want. So because of that, um, they do not want a situation where the fans raise a stink and that causes them to have to answer to a regulatory body made by the UK government and which would possibly take away whatever powers they have already. And the other fact is that certain things, certain teams, such as Chelsea, for example, their stadium, Stanford Bridge, it's not owned by the club. It's actually owned by a supporters trust. And the trust has said that they would not allow the club to use the stadium if the club joined the Super League, which is a very major factor. So in that case, Chelsea, you have to understand they're completely out because if they have to pay to join a Super League favor in a whole new stadium in London, that's impossible for them. So there are a myriad of factors, but I think it comes down to that for the English clubs. The equation of the Premier League is already slowly and steadily turning into its own version of the Super League. And since they see the writing on the wall in that regard, they don't really need to do anything or rock the boat by joining into a Super League like this because they have the new Champions League format. They have the Premier League money. They are very comfortable. Then again, this is exactly the argument that Real Madrid and Barcelona are using that the Premier League is such a huge financial juggernaut that other European clubs, they need to band together to stop this. Otherwise, the other European leagues will end up being a second tier to the Premier League anyway. So I wonder if you think that argument has merit and whether, even if it has merit, whether the Super League deserves to exist from that perspective. Hmm. Well, that's a tough one. I think when it comes to when it comes to the Premier League itself, they're going to be in a position of power regardless, even if a European Super League comes around. I think initially the Premier League will hold on to its position because, look, like technically the Champions League is the biggest competition in Europe. Yes. And yet, if you have Arsenal versus Liverpool, which was a terrible game to watch yesterday, it was so bad, I don't even know where to start. How they even build this as a top match is just this is beyond me. But if you have Arsenal Liverpool playing alongside, I don't know, Real Sociedad versus Napoli in Champions League round of 16, which basically never happens, people are going to, most people in the world are going to choose to watch Arsenal versus Liverpool. People will even pick the Premier League over to Champions League. So I think even if there is a European Super League around, it does not necessarily threaten the domination of the Premier League because the Premier League's marketing is so far up there that it would take the Super League a little bit of time to catch up because, first of all, it would be a new competition. And a lot of the fans who are like, you know, part-time fans around the world who do buy a lot of the merchandise and who do tune into the Premier League would have no idea. So for it to gain legitimacy, it would take time. So, well, um, yeah, the way ahead. you're saying it, it seems to me that you're making the argument there. The argument is based on the fact that the clubs involved in that example that you used 
are the ones who are the stars and not the competition itself. If you had the exact same scenario where it's Liverpool versus Arsenal in a Premier League game and say at the theoretically this never happens of course because why would it say Real Madrid versus Bayern Munich in the Champions League which game would get more viewership and I think in that situation it's a lot less clear cut so in the end if you think about this if you think about football clubs not as clubs themselves but as large brands with brand following then it becomes that which of these competitions has the largest collection of brands right and if you think about it from that perspective, the Premier League has a large collection of brands, but a lot of these guys are also available in the Champions League. So therefore, the Champions League is the most prestigious competition because it has the biggest teams from the Premier League, the biggest teams from Germany, from Spain, from France, from Italy, and from the rest of the continent. That is why it is the biggest competition. And that is why the Champions League maintains its luster despite the fact that the Premier League keeps on getting bigger and bigger. The question is, what happens if you start fracturing the Champions League with the European Super League or something? What happens? It could even backfire on the Super League clubs as it makes the Champions League devalued and it makes the European clubs fall even further behind the Premier League counterparts, in my opinion. If you think about it from that perspective, if I'm making sense. Tell me this. Um, If English clubs join the European Super League, right now they're saying no because, like you said, a lot of them don't have a choice. And a lot of these English clubs, let's say, perform poorly because when it comes to like, so English clubs are not all up to the par right now, as we know. Arsenal are doing pretty well. Liverpool are doing pretty well. And City won everything last last year. But other than that, Man United are terrible right now. Chelsea aren't that great themselves and did not even qualify for the Champions League. So with all that being said, don't you think the brand of English clubs would suffer if they entered into the Super League just because they're com- competitively they're not doing that well? Well, they would still make more money, though, if they did. Because have you seen the financials involved? It's absurd. And if you have a league where you have games like Manchester City versus Real Madrid or Man United versus Barcelona happening on a regular basis, then... Regardless of the fact that Man United will probably get its, they are not going to be competitive in that in such a league. But it doesn't matter because it'll be likely that the owners will make more money, and in the end, that's what they care about. And at the same time, if they were to leave the Premier League, the Premier League itself would be devalued because the Premier League is only valuable insofar as it has the top clubs that draw the most viewership. If the top six of the Premier League were to leave. Do you think the Premier League would still command that same kind of TV deal it has, the international TV rights deal that it has right now? No, that would be collapsed. I think that, in fact, many international organizations would want to renegotiate their rights if such a thing would, if such a breakaway would take take place. And at that point, that would leave the rest of the clubs completely high and dry. Now, of course, that is going to cause an immediate action by the UK government to stop such a thing from happening because it would just be interfering in football would be an easy political win for whatever government is in power at that point because it's a complete it's a thing that crosses all political boundaries it would just be a very simple thing for them to do so in this hypothetical where we're saying that the Premier League clubs do join the Super League they still have the incentive to join because it doesn't actually matter what their brand is as long as they make more money even if it doesn't matter to them 
if they are a smaller brand than Real Madrid or Bayern Munich or Barcelona or whatever, as long as they're making more money than they are now. Because I'm cynical here, but it's not about like, it's fundamentally not about the football. It's about the money. That's why this entire competition exists and this entire thing is happening. And this is the way, this is the direction that football has been going. It's always been about money. It's always been about better marketing, more money into the sport, more money squeezed out of the fans, more monetization in every single way and form. And this is the end result. Do you think, okay, actually, let me let me ask you this first. How much of that money is dependent on viewership and attendance in games? I think that not much, honestly. Like, I, I think that match day revenue is going to be a very small part of this, to be quite frank. Most of the revenue is going to be made out of, even at Bayern Munich already, match day revenue doesn't make all that much money, you know? And this is in the Bundesliga, which is a very fan-centric league. Most right. big right. teams right now, they make money from merchandising, which is commercial stuff, and from TV revenue. And those things will absolutely explode under a potential Super League that has all the big clubs across Europe. That's the reason why this entire project got off the ground. And don't forget, they're going to get an immediate cash injection of whatever the investors are promising, the people, the investors that are getting the Super League project off the ground. That's a big that's a big incentive for these teams. And on top of that, somewhere down the line, they could easily convert the Super League. As I said, once they bullied their competitors out of the scene, they could easily convert the system into something like a closed system and where the clubs, once they have all the power, they could easily start agreements where it's no longer an open system where every team is competing with each other with the same in the same open market. For example, they could close it down and make it kind of like U.S. sports where there's like a draft or something. And that kind of thing would inevitably take more of the profits away from stuff that teams do not want to pay. Like, for example, the players and put it in the hands of the owners. So there is more and more and more incentive for this thing to get off the ground. If you are a billionaire owner of a massive sports team, like, say, for example, Arsenal or Man United. Would joining the Super League necessarily entail leaving the Premier League? Well, Premier League clubs, as I said, it would be impossible for them to join. That's why they're keeping on saying no. But if they were, I do not think that they would be allowed to stay in the Premier League. I think that the Premier League clubs would try to expel them to try and make that happen. Because I do not believe that there is a way for them to stay in the Premier League and at the same time, not be in UEFA club competitions and instead be in the Super League because it's either all right, it's either UEFA or the Super League. And on top of that, obviously, the, all the political aspects I told you about. And it's the same thing with any other league, really. It seems that the leagues themselves will not sanction their clubs playing in a Super League. This is their prerogative. The leagues decide who plays in their clubs, sorry, in their leagues unlike UEFA, so they can take the same punitive measures that UEFA could not. Right. So in theory, if La Liga wanted, they could stop Real Madrid and Barcelona from joining the Super League. Uh, well, well, I don't think Real Madrid and Barcelona care much about playing in La Liga to begin with. And that's, true. that's the thing. Okay, La Liga is very backward if you watch La Liga at all. And the same thing goes for Serie A, really, which is why Aurelio De Laurentiis of Napoli and why Andrea Agnelli of Juventus. Agnelli was the guy who was the biggest Super League supporter in the beginning. And 
all the stuff with Juventus recently has had to, has forced him to step down from that position. But what that's why these guys are so favorable to the concept of a Super League because these leagues are very backward in many ways. The fan experience is not that good. The clubs that they're playing against do not really play all that great football. They often park the bus. The stadium atmospheres are a little bit muted. The games themselves, not that marketable. Barcelona doesn't even film the Camp Nou half the time, you know? So they would really not mind leaving La Liga and going into a Super League where they not only have fewer games, but probably earn more money per game, not only from the commercial and TV revenue, but probably from match days as well, because it's very clear that these certain teams, it's not like the Premier League and Bundesliga where teams have full stadiums week in, week out. In La Liga and Serie A, and even in League One, teams will not sell out their stadium unless it's a very big game. And the, and the situation just gets worse and worse the lower down the league system you go. So that's another incentive. So as I keep saying, it's just a cascade of incentives that has led to all this money and time and effort being invested into this concept of a Super League. And people are going to say, this is the death of football. This is ruining football. But football, the, like, it's too late to say that because everything that led up to this point was set in motion a long, long, long time ago. Right. In fact, look at what's happening with the World Cup. The World oh. Cup, which is considered, you know, um, by a lot of people, I don't think so, but a lot of people consider it the biggest tournament in football. And just giving it to countries that don't really play football again and again, even if you put the human rights issues aside. Since when does Qatar play football? Since they I, I decided to sports wash and get it's, a World at, Cup. It's, at, it's completely circular. It's, so It's ridiculous. And um, handing it to Saudi Arabia after the U.S., where their footballing team, yes, they beat Argentina, but as a culture, it's not really a footballing culture either. There were so many, like... With Russia, no matter what, you could argue that they have a footballing culture. But Well, the thing is, yeah. I, I understand the opposite perspective. And from speaking as a person from a country with not that much footballing culture, like I am in, I live in Kolkata, okay? So we have mm -hmm. a very strong footballing culture in the city of Kolkata. So it's very different from the rest of India where cricket is very dominant. Football is not even like a thing, okay? So I'm speaking from that perspective and not from the Kolkata's perspective. It is nice to see that the World Cup is expanding and including more teams rather than just being mostly a very South American and Eurocentric tournament. And fundamentally, that can only be a good thing because the teams that participate, it's good for them. Of course, I can see the perspective from the bigger teams and the top, top stars. But it is very strange to me that it would be ignored in favor of the vast majority of countries in the world who may never be able to play a World Cup otherwise. And I think that they would still deserve to play. That is a perspective and it's not wrong, but it's also not wrong to say that the World Cup should be the pinnacle of football and should remain a certain degree of exclusivity. And putting more and more games, stuffing more and more games into the schedule can only be bad for player health. All of these things can be and are true which is the problem with football as it is today. The incentive structure of football just doesn't make sense. It is a massive global, it is the biggest global sport by far. It makes the most money, it has the most viewers, and it's always trying to grow, and it has the most potential to grow as well. So therefore, 
football is literally trying to tear itself apart to grow bigger. And this is the ultimate outcome of that, where the World Cup is being expanded. Europe is literally ripping itself apart at the seams into a Super League and a non-Super League Champions League. And then you have FIFA coming in with their almost pseudo Champions League style Club World Cup, which is going to add even more games to the roster and be played God knows when with like six or seven European teams and then teams from Brazil and this and that. And what is what is going on? What is like what is the end game for all this? Is there genuinely a market for all of these things to exist together? Or are we going to go through a period where everything is going to compete with each other and then inevitably it all coalesces into a big closed F1 style system where the absolute biggest clubs are and biggest teams are playing in their own little isolated ivory tower and everyone else is having to make do with sub-professional style football which is not even close to the something that exists today which is the tiered pyramid league system i think that is possibly the way football is headed it'll take a while and people will not be happy about it but it seems that it seems that everything that makes up football is incentivizing something like that to form because fundamentally the biggest players in the system sorry i don't mean the biggest players themselves i mean the biggest clubs because the clubs are the main actors in this they do not want to be sharing their piece of the pie with the lessers that is the most fundamental thing and they have to be forced to and the U- european court of justice has effectively said that they cannot be forced to do that so where does that leave it? That just leaves open market forces and the market forces, we know what they do. They're going to consolidate. Consolidation is going to be the future of football. Yeah, see, in the in the US, as you probably know, we yes. have a healthcare system that is pretty much <clears throat> free market. <clears throat> and we system. see what happens there. Yes, system. So just going back to some of your points, I think in the short term, we will see a lot of player injuries and a lot of careers ending quickly. And that may actually be an incentive to lessen the number of games in a season. It hasn't happened before. I because... don't think it's going to. You know, I think no. it's just going to be mm-hmm. that people will say that big clubs should just buy more players, have bigger squads. Oh, my goodness. Which oh my goodness. automatically makes the consolidation problem even worse because it means fewer good players for the other teams. Man City are already doing that. Yeah, they have, what, six other clubs around yeah. in Europe and South America. And look and at their North own America, first yeah. team squad. How many players do they have? Oh, it's my goodness. Completely loaded. So that's going to become the norm in the future. So yeah. it's literally, again, another incentive. It's just incentive structures, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, To your point about the World Cup, first of all, I want to give Mohan Bagan a shout out, you know. Don't Great give club. Mohan Bagan a shout out to <laughs> you're not, in, in you're the presence not. of an of an East Bengal <laughs> I, oh I'm my east, god, I'm, you're I'm, in, I'm in the East Bengal side. <laughs> I did of the derby. not know that. I, I did my, not. My dad know is that. an East Bengal member. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Okay, fine. For now I take out take back what I said. Um but also India may not have a footballing culture outside of um West Bengal, but at the same time, India has a lot of football fans. There are yes. a lot of people in India who are very, very much deeply ingrained into the game. Oh, and yes. so that that makes sense to bring the World Cup to a country filled with World Cup fans. Like many countries in Africa, you could make that argument for. 
I'm not sure you could make the same arguments for Qatar or Saudi Arabia. Like when the World Cup went to well, uh, South Korea and Japan in 2002, it was fantastic. Those two are footballing countries and it was just, it was great to have them over there. Well, the thing is that in the end, it's not about fans. It's about the money that those fans represent yes. as consumers. Right. So oil money countries like Saudi Arabia and Qatar can just skew it in their favor by having more fans, more money than fans. And they can literally pay fans to show up, which is a thing that happened in the last World Cup. So, right. yeah, it's literally right. just it's 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 a football is a product looking for consumers in the end. If you look at it right. from that perspective, it's just it's very dystopian, but it is also um, inevitable outcome. And I wonder where Bayern Munich fits into this entire picture, because we haven't mentioned our club in a little while, have we? So the thing about Bayern Munich is that Bayern Munich, we are the biggest club in Germany, and we are not going to be in the in the Super League no matter what. And I was just wondering what you think that means for the future of the club. I feel that if Bayern genuinely had a choice, or if the people in charge of the club right now had a choice, they would have joined the Super League back when it was first announced. And the fact that they didn't is purely down to the fact that Bayern is a 50 plus 1 club and the fans would never stand for it. I want you to ask, with the changes that are taking place in European football right now, what do you think the future of Bayern Munich is going to be like? I'm almost a little scared, to be honest, because there is no way, like you said, that Bayern would be a part of any such competition. Now, if it's up to Karl-Heinz Rummenigge himself, Bayern would have probably said yes. But the 50 plus one rule ties Bayern's hands. The Bundesliga ties Bayern's hands here. And they can't go and join the European Super League, which I think is great. But yeah. at the same time, um, financially, Bayern also has to compete extra hard just to stay at the level of Premier League clubs. It's Bayern is always making the most. Well, aside from this transfer window, aside from the hurricane transfer, which is great, but all the Walker stuff and whatnot. But Bayern is always trying to make the most of the resources that they have. And generally, Bayern is a well-run club, which is why the way that the transfer window unfolded this time was very surprising because Bayern don't tend to have their moves out there so publicly and just, and then the moves didn't go through and Bayern was a laughing stock for like five minutes. But if you're already having to maximize your resources and you are still on somewhat level playing ground because the Champions League still exists. What happens if you're not part of the Super League? And what happens to your status as, I guess, a super club? Because if the Super League happens, right now Bayern walks a very fine line because Bayern has the status of a super club, of a huge club, and at the same time stays very close to its roots, stays within the 50 plus one system. It's like, I think, 75% um, it's owned by by the board, by the supervisor board and all that oversee like 75% of the club and only 25% is not part of that. So it seems to me that uh, if Bayern already has to compete extra hard, that it might just be very hard for Bayern to keep up if the Super League goes through and and Bayern is already doing the best they can to match the super clubs, um, especially in England. But then, of course, there's PSG and then some, and of course, there's Real Madrid. Um, at the same time, I think it really comes down 
to it really comes down to what Bayern wants to represent down the line. Bayern, Bayern Munich will exist just fine without the Super Club, uh, without the um, European Super Cup money and all that. But how does Bayern want to exist? Does Bayern want to exist as a Bundesliga club, stay close to its roots? And that's what that's what fans love Bayern Munich for as well. Or does Bayern Munich want to keep its position as a super club? And probably they do. But how can you? If a super if a super league comes around and you are not allowed to be a part of it. And at the same time, I also don't think the super super league will go through with everything that's happening in English football and because of their personal interests, I don't think it will happen. So this point may just be moved. So let me ask you this, and what do you think is the probability of the super league coming through? I know I know you mentioned your cynical side. And you mentioned that football is just all these all these years, everything that has happened in football has come together to create a moment like this. I still have to ask, what are the real chances of it going through, especially with the revamping of the Champions League format? Well, um, it depends on how you want to talk about it, because are you talking about the Super League as an organization? Then in that case, I would say the chances of it succeeding are maybe 30 percent, maybe less than that. But if you're talking about the Super League as a concept, then it has already succeeded because is not the new Champions League format just another step towards the ideal Formula One-esque Super League that we've all been thinking about? I mean, the rules for qualification are ridiculous. The top two teams from last, sorry, the top two leagues from last season will get an extra spot in the Champions League. And right now that means that either either Italy or Germany will get a fifth Champions League spot alongside England. Does that make any sense? How many? How much more are you going to consolidate money at the top? The system is already built so that if two clubs make it to the same level of the tournament, but one is from England and the other is from, say, for example, what what example can I even give? Say, for example, Ajax from the Netherlands. If those both those teams make it to the same level of the Champions League, say they get knocked out, at the quarterfinal stage, the club from England will get significantly more money. Why? Because of how the TV money distribution happens. It is based on how much money each association brings into UEFA. So it's already biased in favor of the already rich clubs, and it's getting even more biased by the second. What, what is left then? Isn't this the Super League that we are all warned about? Yeah, as a concept, yes. And still, I think if you had to pick the lesser of two evils, I'd probably go with UEFA. Not because this is not a horrible format, because it is. And it's also going to cause more strain on the players. There's going to be a longer competition and all that. At the same time, though, UEFA is still the governing body of European football. And even if the money is extremely, extremely uneven, you still know that some of that money will be filtered down to the lower leagues. You don't get that with the European Super League. That is not to say that UEFA is faultless and UEFA hasn't already created a kind of closed system. There was a time when Bayern Munich was getting beaten by Aston Villa in a Champions League final. So there was a time when Porto went through and surprised everybody and won the Champions League. Porto did it twice. So it is, and Porto is a huge club, of course, but a surprise winner 
considering everybody around them. So, and also there's always a chance that a major club will fall from grace. It happened to Ajax. It happened to, um, it, it has the potential to happen to Barcelona. It's already kind of happening. It already happened to Man United as well. It already happened to Man United. Man United, when I first started watching football, Man United was the club. And if you, at under Charles Ferguson, if, if you managed to beat Man United, that was, it was almost unthinkable to beat Man United. So, and then Bayern did it in 2009 to 10, which was fantastic on the away girls rule. But that's how big Man United was. And if you had told me then that Man United would fall from grace and finish last in a Champions League group where their competitors, aside from Bayern, were Galatasaray and Copenhagen, no disrespect to these clubs, they played excellent football. You still, and, and uh, they're both big clubs in their own right. I would still have been extremely shocked. Chelsea are not even in the Champions League this season. A couple of seasons ago, I think they finished, what, 13th, 11th, something around that. So it is not, um, considering the money in England, Leicester ended up getting relegated despite winning, w- winning the competition. Blackburn Rovers fell from grace. It can, it can happen. The Bundesliga is a place where it happens more often, where Union Berlin, you know, a Champions League club for this season are now fighting for their lives to stay in the league. So in the Bundesliga, it's, it's a little more evened out, but at the same time, it's, I think, the fall from grace of the English clubs, it shows that, not just the English clubs, but some of the clubs outside of England as well, shows that there is a world where competition still wins out because bad decisions can have serious consequences. And bad decisions have had serious consequences for the likes of Man United and has hurt the brand. You know, you go from this all-conquering brand to a laughingstock very quickly. So in that case, I would say, even though the Champions League is starting to resemble the concept of the European Super League, we might just still be able to have a competition where clubs need to win on merit. Because if this was not on merit, then PSG and City would have won the Champions League every single season. City won it by the skin of their teeth. They were a Romelu Lukaku bad day, good day away from losing the final. So it's not that it doesn't happen. But that yeah, I'm going to give you a big um, counter argument to that from mm-hmm. the perspective of a fan of a club that is not Bayern Munich, but in the Bundesliga. Isn't Bayern Munich already at that stage? Look at what we've done to the Bundesliga itself. 12 consecutive years with the same exact champion, right? So perhaps this is the end game either way. Like Bayern Munich, even being within the 40 plus one system, sorry, why did I say 40 plus one, 50 plus one, 50 plus one system, it is still amounted to a stage where you cannot really say that the Bundesliga is an even playing field. It is not. You can say that there is a chance that certain clubs may suffer if they are grossly mismanaged by the people in charge. But otherwise, in general, the Bundesliga is ordered in terms of which team has the most resources to spend and which is why Bayern Munich keeps winning, right? So in the end, is the Super League really that bad? Is it really making that much of a difference? In fact, a lot of more traditional fans might even prefer it if a team like Bayern Munich left the league, allowing the league itself to have different champions and the things like that, 
And Bayern Munich just does what it does in its own closed-off space against teams that actually can test themselves against it instead of constantly beating up on teams like Darmstadt every week, right? That is a fundamental... I mean, yeah. yeah, Teams like that. Like, that is the fundamental argument, in my opinion, like, which is part of why people like the Super League so much. Well, let me counter that. Yeah, sure. So... I think what the Super League does is it also provides a bit of an unfair advantage, which did not really happen with Bayern. Bayern played within the rules. And yes, Bayern bought players from other Bundesliga clubs, but it's not against the rules to buy players from other Bundesliga clubs. And as Dortmund, that doesn't necessarily lead to a successful formula. So, and Bayern really came to this point because of doing well again and again and again in European competitions. Look, let's go back to the 70s and 80s. 80s. I think this was in the 70s where Gladbach won five titles, Bayern four. And, you know, they were the two biggest clubs in Germany. Look at where Gladbach is today and look at where Bayern is today. Gladbach's only joy is beating Bayern once every yes, season. But so, yeah, so. There's, so there's there's that. But also... I think Bayern staying in the Bundesliga is actually more helpful for the Bundesliga because while traditional fans, like you mentioned, might feel that Bayern leaving and having a new champion is better, the point is to win the title, you have to come up to the level of Bayern. And that is an argument for excellence. What Bayern Leverkusen is doing right now is so incredible and is so it's so wonderful because... And only because they have to rise up to the level of Bayern and it takes something special. And it is not all Bayern's doing that it's been, what, 11 titles in a row. It's also Dortmund's doing because they have failed at the final hurdle again and again and again. And you can make that argument across the Bundesliga when a challenger has come through, how things have fallen apart. So I would say if Bayern does leave the Bundesliga, the Bundesliga's quality suffers because now all of a sudden you can be more complacent. Leverkusen can lose, can stand to lose like three, four matches and actually win the Bundesliga if Bayern is not around because Dortmund's not catching them. Leipzig is inconsistent and Stuttgart might have a fall around the corner. So they would easily win. Whereas now Leverkusen has to keep winning and has to be excellent to win the title. Well... I'm going to say that, first of all, the argument you make in terms of Bayern Munich doing it the right way, it seems to me that that is also an argument for preserving the status quo. Because why should it matter that the team that was good in the 80s remains in, ends up with such an immense advantage over everyone else that it basically becomes good in perpetuity? Should that be a proper basis for what the competition for what competition should like like if competition is the name of the game then is that the right basis for it it almost becomes like an argument on generational wealth whether that is actually a thing that is fair or not and on top of that like you know you have to ask about whether the competition maintains its integrity when there is such a vast gap in the resources of the teams taking part right it yeah, it is fundamental yeah. to it, right? You, wouldn't you want a more even playing field? And that is, in a way, what Super League, in almost a perverse way, it offers. And therefore, that is possibly a thing that, like, might be an argument for Bayern Munich joining the Super League. Not that Bayern Munich should be in the league itself, but rather that 
how should I say it, that Bayern Munich belongs in the Super League because of what the team is. Because it is a super team, a Super League-style team. Well, let's go back to your generational wealth argument. Generational wealth is usually collected when a family of some kind years back did something not very great to amass that amount of wealth. Um, I can think of various families right now, but I'm just not going to get into it. Now, going back to Bayern, it is not that that wealth was amassed in unfair ways. That wealth came about because of doing well again and again and again in competitions. UEFA competitions that were probably much more fair then than they are now. And it is not that Bayern didn't have dry spells, but even in those dry spells, Bayern was still in finals. In every single decade, Bayern has been in a Champions League final. And that, to me, said, speaks to competitiveness. If, if you can remain competitive, and if you can remain competitive in a fair way, why shouldn't you yield the results and the fruits of your labor? So for me, an even playing field can be bought about by distributing TV money evenly, for example. And there are many things that can be done to make the competition more even. However, kicking out Bayern Munich out of the Bundesliga is not a way to do that. I think the Bundesliga can look at its TV deals. The Bundesliga can look at how it distributes its money and think about how it can make a more competitive um, league. In fact, one idea that I have seen thrown about is a playoff system. I don't like that because to me, it seems that a league is a marathon. And if you have been the best team at the end of that, you should win the league. But a playoff system definitely has, um, has something in it. And Bayern would not be the winner 11 seasons in a row if the Bundesliga had like four or six teams enter, enter a playoff at the end of the season. Just like it's happened in the DFB Pokal, season after season after season, Bayern gets knocked out. If not by a third division or a second division team, then by Gladbach. It happens. So there are better ways to improve the competition. And the onus is not on Bayern to fix what they have done because... They have amassed what they have gotten so far fairly. Now, if you go into the Super League, look at the clubs who are going to enter the Super League or who are in, in talks to enter the Super League. I know PSG said no, but PSG were invited. PSG did not go from building a great club over the years to becoming a great club. PSG became a big club overnight. Leon might have more, more I guess, history behind it suggests that it should probably be a Super League club. But Leon has become irrelevant for all for all purposes because of what PSG has done to Liga A. And then you have Chelsea, who we forget got here, not by being competitive for many, many years, but by Roman Abramovich pouring his heart and soul into the club after he bought it. So... And yet, wealth ownership can also go very, very badly. Like the Glazer family buying Man United has done nothing but hurt them. Uh, the owners of Liverpool don't always put as much money as they should into the club. And still, you know, um, look at City. Again, the biggest argument for them all. City was a good club, but City was not what it is today before being bought out and becoming a state-backed club. So... I think Bayern is a very, very different scenario from the rest. And that's what makes Bayern so unique. Because there is, a, what can you really compare Bayern to? Uh, I believe Real Madrid is 
fan owned tool. I'm not it sure, but Real Madrid, owned, but Real Madrid but it's did benefit. Yeah, it was Franco, impact. right? Franco. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we know that about Real Madrid. Bayern Munich in the in the 40s, in the it, around that time, were trying to escape persecution, and at some point, I think Bayern also disbanded for a bit. So, if anything, Bayern has had to build itself up again and again, and. So I think Bayern is in this unique situation where you just cannot apply any of the regular arguments to Bayern because the wealth has not been amassed unfairly. And anytime somebody tells me buying from other Bundesliga clubs is unfair, I just, I just, I just shake my head like, no, you can buy from your competition. And please go after Dortmund, who has basically decimated Gladbach yeah. over the years. Um, so... And look, at the same time, you can also apply some of the arguments about competitiveness to um, the Bundesliga. Wolfsburg is owned by Volkswagen. Bayer Leverkusen is owned by Bayer Pharmaceuticals. Leverkusen is finally doing pretty well. But you could also make the argument that these two clubs are not fan-owned. Why aren't they doing better right now? And if they had been winning the Bundesliga serially for 12, 13, 15 years, whatever, then you could make the argument that this is unfair. They have these billionaire backers or millionaire backers or whatnot, and it's unfair to the rest of the competition. But they're not. And it is a fan-owned club that wins it season in and season out. And look, it's it's terrible for the competitive nature for a league. And it is terrible that Dortmund is your closer challenger because Dortmund will fall apart any given second. But and we're probably going to talk about that a little bit today. But at the same time, I think with Bayern, there's just no, there's no argument you can make that, or at least maybe let me ask you this. Is there an argument where you can say that what Bayern Munich has right now is unfair and has been gained unfairly? I don't think it has been gained unfairly, but that doesn't mean that I don't think it's unfair from a competitive standpoint. Because it seems to me that as football has compounded over the years, it has become not only harder to do the same thing that Bayern Munich did, because Bayern Munich effectively took advantage of a time when football was not as commercialized to climb to the top and then commercialize itself at the right time to essentially stay there. It's kind of like climbing up the ladder and then pulling it up after yourself. So therefore, I would argue that there is an argument to be made that Bayern Munich is part of the reason that we have a Super League now. It is part of the same league of clubs that has caused this entire thing to erupt. And Bayern Munich are essentially, you could almost say, victims of their own success. But I do not think that clubs on the other end of our fans of other clubs will agree with you on that point. They will say that Bayern Munich are effectively simply just getting a taste of their own medicine. Let's say Bayer Leverkusen does go on to win the league, which would which would be great for the competitive nature of the league. Considering Bayer Leverkusen's uh, structure and foundation, would you say that Leverkusen has fairly won the league? Uh, yes, because in the end, despite the structure and foundation, their club, or at least their roster, is not constructed with the same amount of money that Bayern Munich is. It was not constructed with the same resources. And in fact, you can say the same thing, even if RB Leipzig were the one to win, you know, and that is, I think, the fundamental thing. It's not, it is fundamentally not an even playing field, as long as it isn't. then Bayern Munich, I don't think, has the same moral high ground that some of our fans seem to take. Fundamentally, I think Bayern Munich is part of the problem. And I think that 12, 
titles in a row is way too many. It should have been fewer. At least one other team should have won in that time. And the, what is happening in the Bundesliga right now, where one single generational wealth, well-run club, can have a league in a chokehold for 12 consecutive years, that is pretty much what is going to happen to Europe somewhere down the line. As everything consolidates, 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 it becomes like that. For now, Germany fans prefer this to the alternative. But the thing is, like, at some point, people are going to get fed up. And they're not going to force Bayern Munich or the Bundesliga to change. Instead, they're just going to go watch something else. I think staying with the Bundesliga. So um, if Bayern... Also, you're crowning Bayern too fast for the 12th title. Bayern's already won 11 in a row. So let's Wait, not give really? them a 12th. Yeah, 2013 was the first. Like, oh, yeah. start from 2013. Yeah, it's 11. Don't crown them yet under Tuchel. Just hold on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what we might see, and we've already seen talks kind of under the surface in the Bundesliga about it, is the Bundesliga could go ahead and do some structural changes that could change how this plays out. And again, the playoff system is one of those in conversation. But going back to what you were saying, that Bayern is part of the problem and they pulled up the ladder behind them. Um, Why didn't other German clubs climb that ladder? Borussia Dortmund won the Champions League in 97. Schalke won the UEFA Cup that same year. Schalke is the second biggest club in Germany in terms of um, membership. Why didn't they? And so if they didn't take advantage of their moments, why why would you say that Bayern pulled up the ladder behind them? Well, because those moments are not coming back. That's why. Like if they did the same thing now, would they be able to get to the level of Bayern Munich? I don't think so. That is the fundamental problem. If the opportunity still existed to catch up to us, then I would say that the ladder still exists, but the ladder is not there anymore. However, I would also say that that's a larger UEFA problem. Yes. Rather than a Bayern problem or even a Bundesliga problem. Because look at at what happens with the Champions League money and the distribution of that. That is down to UEFA and not down to anybody else. So if Bayern is earning, rightfully so, its Champions League money by making deep runs into the competition, maybe if UEFA had distributed that money more fairly, other German clubs who have had a deeper run might have been on a more even playing field. Well, you see, I'm not necessarily Mm -hmm. blaming Bayern Munich for everything. I'm just saying that Bayern Munich is part of the structure that is the problem. You know, it's not that Bayern Munich created the problem, but there is a problem and Bayern Munich is part of it. And therefore, here we are. Yep, here we are. Speaking of problems, Borussia Dortmund. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Let me let you explain this situation. This is very crazy. This is is the club that should be competing for the title, right? And instead, they're playing horrible football. They had a coup last week with all the players, many of the leading players, getting together and going to the club bosses and saying, we don't like Edith Terzic. And what did Boatska do? They had a secret meeting at an undisclosed location, which somehow everyone in the media found out about, and they decided that they're going to keep Watska. Okay? Wait, Watska? No, they decided to keep Terzic. Terzic, and it's yeah. In, because of that, because of that, it turns out that now there is significant chaos behind the scenes at Dortmund because it means that, well, Marco Royce, who led the coup against Terzic, he could 
now find himself in the crosshairs and he might not end up staying at Dortmund or maybe he could be shipped out or maybe he won't get minutes or whatever. In the meantime, Sebastian Kehl, he who he's a new sporting director at Dortmund. He's not only being undermined by Watzke and Terzic because there is apparently a power struggle between them. Kehl is also being judged on results earned by Terzic where Terzic was the person to veto his transfer suggestions and now he's being asked on a budget of 6 million euros to find new fullbacks for Dortmund in the winter. I have no idea where in the year of 2023 you can find any decent fullbacks for a for the cost of 6 million. Like literally, I have no idea. And if he doesn't succeed, there is a decent chance that Terzic will outlast Sebastian Kehl at Dortmund. Then there have been rumors that Terzic could even replace Sebastian Kell as the sporting director. He'll get promoted and there will be a new coach brought in. And there has been another rumor that the, this is almost speculation really, so maybe don't take it too seriously. But the idea is that, well, Watzke in his capacity as uh, in the DFB, he is the one who advocated getting Nagelsmann for the DFB. The reason being that he didn't want Terzic to be put under pressure at Dortmund while Nagelsmann was still available, which is very fascinating. So all of these things have come together to create a massive storm around Dortmund, which I have no idea what is going to be the outcome of all of this, but it is very, very funny, but also very depressing because it's supposed to be the Bundesliga's number two team and they're coming right off a title challenge where they were literally a single win away from winning the title. Like If this is what happens, then I don't see how the current system of the league or whatever is healthy in any way shape or form it's just everything is so broken and Dortmund is also part of that issue maybe we should start calling i don't know leipzig or after this season if leverkusen can sustain it leverkusen the second biggest club in germany because Dortmund is such a huge mess but terzic is like i know he has won the cup with Dortmund, and he took them out of a very tough champions league group where we all assumed they were just going to finish bottom and crash out I just have to say that Terzic is almost failing upwards at this point. His shadow cast on Marco Rosa, and I, I do not I do not like Marco Rosa, but I also think he's a pretty good coach. His shadow being cast on Marco Rosa kind of ended Rosa's time at Dortmund. And now that the club is playing terrible football, for some reason, Bachka goes out of his way to protect a very mediocre coach. And I like Terzic. I like Terzic as a human being. But if your captain is leading a coup, well, your former captain, oh my God, Emre Chan, geez. Um, how can you make Emre Chan captain? But anyway, we'll get we'll get back to that. Um, if your former captain and one of the biggest players in your club is leading a coup against the coach, then you know that there are serious problems and maybe you should listen to your players. Because at the end of the day, Royce has been playing well and his position in the team has seemingly solidified more on the playing field because the players who were supposed to replace him are not doing very well. Then comes the prospect of Emery Chan, who probably should have been sold. Instead, he has been made captain and has been turning in subpar performances game in and game out. Players tend to get worse when they go to Dortmund. Everybody's gotten worse, whether that's Zule, whether that's Schlotterbeck, players, even Benzevaini, I would argue, they go down a peg when they go to Dortmund. So, and the transfer policies, like you mentioned, I think Dortmund was in the conversation to sign Boniface and decided not to, and then had to put in a last minute deal for Fulkrug, 
because they realized what they had was not enough. So there's no long-term planning. There's extreme chaos at the club. And honestly, there are better options than Terzic on the market. Nagelsmann being one of them, but right now he's with the DFB. Oliver Glasner is free. There are definitely better options to be had. And Dortmund's campaign could really go down the road, could just just completely turn into a very miserable and disastrous campaign once they come back. Because six million is not a budget to buy a fullback or to buy anybody, really. So it's just, it is going to be terrible. I would not be surprised to see Dortmund finish behind Frankfurt, perhaps even Freiburg and finish in seventh or eighth at the end of the season, because this is the way that things are looking. No matter, I, I don't, you know, like 30 shots on target, 20 shots on target, whatever, against clubs like Augsburg and whatnot. If you can't win against these clubs, how can you consider yourself a title challenger? And in fact, the title challenge is dead this season. It's gone. And I highly doubt Dortmund will be in will be in talks about a title unless Bayern has a dramatic collapse after the winter break and Leverkusen starts falling off a cliff after the winter break. Otherwise, it's just, it's just not going to happen, which speaks to our point about Bayern just being a really well-managed club and taking advantage of its, of what it has amassed. So, yeah, I don't know. And where do you think Dortmund will finish the season? I think they'll finish fifth and then squeeze into the Champions League because of the new rules, which is exactly what the new rules are there for. They are there to keep giving teams like Dortmund uh, an out, basically. Keep giving them that sweet, sweet Champions League money, even when they don't really deserve it on sporting merit. They really, really don't deserve it. They're, they're and that's the point, right? Terrible. And that's everything yeah. that it comes back to. That teams that it's not about really sporting merits at this point. It's about something completely different and which is who knows who knows where everything is going really it's kind of depressing and the fact that Dortmund is in talks for a place in the expanded uh FIFA Club World Cup they're part of the discussion for that that also speaks to this point of kind of yep. failing upwards yeah yeah and oh, yeah goodness me the state of football right now and that is going to be a what 32 team competition as well the champions league will be a 36 team competition from next season with all these weird rules and whatnot and it's just if Bayern has injury problems right now Bayern might have to play Bayern Munich too in a lot of those competitions the way that things are going yep that is pretty much how it's kind of shaping up. And I think that it, we are almost coming up on the end of our second meeting. So, yeah, I think we need to stop here. So that is pretty much our discussion on the Super League, on the state of European football and the state of Borussia Dortmund in the Bundesliga. So remind us what you think about this entire thing. And remember to comment on this. You can find us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks. You can find our blog BavarianFootballWorks.com and you can find the rest of us on Twitter at the various handles that I do not remember. So thank you for listening and stay tuned, I guess.